0: Hey guys, welcome back to AM5AM5 AM5 Evolution Podcast. It's your host, Stephanie
1: and Amanda. Stephanie, did you take care of your teeth today?
0: Oh yeah, I did. Even if it's only 5am.
1: Well guys, if you didn't, it's better to do so right now. Because our ancestors tried really hard to make evolution happen in this thing right here in your mouth. <laughs> Looks like our special guest
0: today, biologist Dr. McLean Brown, has got something to say about teeth. Dr. Brown, care to
2: introduce yourself? Good morning, everyone. I'm Dr. McLean Brown. I graduated from Boston College in 2020 with a degree in biology, and I specialize in jaw and tooth development in vertebrates, and I'm interested in how certain facial features correlate with attractiveness in humans. So why did you choose to specialize in jaws and teeth and how they might be attractive? What's so interesting about that? I was interested in why humans find certain jaw types attractive, and if that was an evolutionary response. Although human beauty standards vary across cultures and among individuals, there are a few traits that are generally considered attractive by the majority of people. These features include large eyes, even skin, symmetrical features, and a defined jawline. Facial attractiveness has become a topic of scientific research due to the implications it can have for your life. For example, an attractive person is more likely to be hired than an unattractive person if they have roughly equivalent resumes and sometimes even if they do not right additionally there's a psychological phenomenon referred to as the halo effect where people associate good traits with people they find attractive and are more likely to be forgiving of them for certain bad traits People they find unattractive this phenomenon is also sometimes referred to as pretty privilege can you elaborate a bit more on why humans might find certain traits attractive The reasons why humans find certain features attractive is a bit more complicated than their effects. Several traits that humans find attractive, such as large eyes, are due to which is basically an adult having features typically associated with a child, which is honestly a little creepy that we find that attractive when you think about it. The trait I am most interested in, a defined jaw, would not be considered a pedomorphically attractive trait as it is not found in children. Typically, children have more rounded, soft face shapes and defined jawlines developed during or after puberty. However, it has been shown in scientific studies like Cunningham et al's analysis of what traits women find attractive, that a large defined jaw was attractive. Therefore, there must be a reason for their preference for large jaws and dislike for recessive jawlines. In order to discover that reason, scientists like me consider the sexual selection preferences of animals. They discover that the traits female animals prefer are often indicators of their potential mate's health or genetics. For example, Peahens are more likely to mate with the brightly colored male and research has shown that the color of peacock's feathers can be an indication of their health and strength. Similarly to the brightly colored peacock's tails, defined jawlines are more attractive to the females of the species. Although women with defined jaws can also be considered attractive, the defined jaw is more essential in male beauty. Some scientists wondered if this case of sexual selection in women could also be tied to genetic traits that would lead to healthier offspring. Recessive jawlines, which are generally considered unattractive in both males and females, do in fact often lead to health problems, such as sleep apnea and temporomandibular joint dysfunction, aka TMG disorder, symptoms of which include jaw pain, difficulty chewing, and clicking and locking of the jaw joint. The health problems associated with the recessive jaw could have led to humans developing an evolutionary predisposition against it. So then why are large jaws in men preferred over natural jaws? One explanation can be found in an experiment by Rhodes et al. on whether sexual dimorphism in human faces correlates to health which found there was a positive correlation between traits perceived as more masculine, like a larger jaw, and an individual's actual health. A potential explanation for this positive correlation is the immunocompetence handicap hypothesis, which involves testosterone levels in men. One of the genetic reasons for developing a large jaw is high levels of testosterone. Testosterone, however, has been linked to the suppression of immune function, So basically, the hypothesis proposes an individual must have a healthy immune system to be able to afford the handicap of the testosterone level necessary to generate that feature. This hypothesis could provide an evolutionary reason for the preference of large jaws in men. Altogether, research indicates that there is a selective advantage in having a non-recessive jaw and, if you are male, having a large jaw, which could have led to higher levels of those traits. Oh
1: wow, thank you so much for informing us about the jaw's role in human attraction.
2: I'm really
0: glad to have you here, McLean. You know, I think that evolution and development are the most interesting subjects within biology. And I feel as though when people think about either fields, they think about the bigger picture. You know, like the evolution of man picture we see everywhere.
1: Oh, the march of progress?
0: Yeah, the march of progress. When in reality, pretty much all species, we can compare animals to other animals with the same specific traits and find that the same traits can be caused with the same gene or genes and display similar results. And sometimes, if a gene is moved to a different area within a developing organism, that area can express that gene and create something like, I don't know, an eyeball or something? Like... If you were to take the gene that codes for an eyeball in flies and move it to their abdomen when they're in their early developmental stages, it'll grow a non-functioning eyeball out of its abdomen. But anyways, back teeth. I actually read a paper a while back about tooth and jaw development in mammals. Oh, did you actually? Yeah, it was about how jaw structures in the early stages of development are very similar in opossums and ferrets, but not nearly as similar in mice.
1: What do you mean by similar? Like, do their teeth and jaws, look the same,
0: or...? So, pretty much, the same group of genes can code for different types of teeth across many mammals. The type of teeth that end up developing, like canine, incisor, premolar, or molar teeth, depend on which genes in the set of genes that code for teeth are repressed or expressed. Like, let's say you have three genes, A, B, and C. If A and B are being expressed but C isn't, you get a premolar tooth. But if B is the only gene being expressed, you get a canine. And apparently, the tooth genes that are being expressed in a certain area of the jaw influence how the jaw is shaped and structured. In development, mammals start off as somites, right? Yes, that's right. Which have many arches to them. Each arch ends up corresponding with its specific body part. Well, those same three genes from that paper I read a few years ago So that those three genes I was making reference to, I think they were called MSX1, bar x uh, one and... ALX3 or something like that, are also responsible for mandibular arch expression. The mandibular arch eventually forms into the mandible, which is just another word for jaw. The paper explained the differences within the teeth and jaws of the different mammals tested. They talked about the differences in the overlaps between the three main genes they focused on and compared, I think, about four animal gene sequences to each other.
2: Did the paper mention anything about gene inhibition or any proteins or signaling pathways that may have influenced which teeth were expressed? Uh, I remember
0: reading about a protein called the BMP signaling protein, and for some genes that are associated with determining which type of tooth will grow, the amount of that signaling protein present will affect the type of tooth a tooth will become.
1: Well, I still don't get how jaw shape is affected by these genes. Do you remember anything more about how those two might be related? Yeah, so tooth
0: germs, the group of cells that eventually develop into teeth, have an overlap in terms of some genes that also code for jaw development. The paper I read found a correlation between the types of teeth expressed and the shape of the jaw that also formed underneath that tooth. I remember that the paper mentioned a strong correlation between the two in both ferrets and opossums. Does that make a bit more sense?
1: Yeah, definitely. Thank you.
2: How did you even stumble upon it?
1: It started off
0: as one of those 2 a.m. Wikipedia dives.
2: Oh, gotcha.
1: We actually have a similar story, so Stephanie just talked about the March of Progress, right?
2: Yeah, the funny theory. Even if the picture is
1: fundamentally wrong, it tells us something, like a really close relationship to the chimpanzee and other primates.
0: That is correct. I guess you are going to ask how we are different from chimps in terms of jaw structure.
1: You are right. So I also did my 2am research on this question. We bio nerds all know that a major difference between human and chimpanzee skulls is the size of the brain case. Right. Now the average human brain is about three times the size of the average chimpanzee brain. Yeah, three times. This can be seen actually by looking at the back of the skull. So human skulls have a rounded brain case that is much larger than a chimpanzee skull to house our really large brains. Chimpanzee skulls also have a ridge sagittally across the brain case, where the neck muscles
2: attach. To visually describe it, it is something that extends from your forehead to the back of your neck. Thanks.
1: Chimpanzees and other apes display what is known as facial prognathism, where the face protrudes beyond the top of the skull. Human faces are relatively flat in comparison, as you will know. Additionally, a chimpanzee skull has no forehead and has prominent brow ridges above the eye sockets whereas a human skull has an obvious forehead and chin. Now here's the point. In fact, humans are the only primus with chins. So this is a difference between human and any other ape.
0: I can see that through the facial structure. There's almost no protruding structure below the mouth for chimps.
1: Now, speaking of teeth, human teeth are small and relatively regular in size throughout the jaw in comparison to chimpanzee teeth. And the jaw is smaller overall. Chimpanzees have sharp, pronounced canines in the upper jaw that sit against large, lower premolars in the lower jaw. These large teeth are used for threat displays and as weapons. Also, the mastoid process, where the jaw muscles attached to the skull is more distinct
2: in human skulls than in chimpanzee skulls. After talking about the chimps, I'm sure some of our audience are now wondering more. Like... What about the more human-like primates? Let's say Neanderthals? Okay, so there are actually studies
1: done on analyzing the differences in teeth and jaws between Homo sapiens sapiens and Homo sapiens neanderthalensis. One study focused on the mandibles and enamels of the two species.
2: Mandibles? The bone that holds the lower teeth in place.
1: In the studies, they found that enamel height was greater in Homo sapiens sapiens the pulp height and width and height of enamel to the floor of the pulp chamber were greater in Homo sapiens Neanderthalensis.
2: To explain that further, it means that humans have more teeth above the floor while Neanderthals have more depth below the surface of the teeth. Thanks, McLean. So how are results related to the jaw?
1: So tooth root length has been shown to taxonomically distinguish Neanderthals from modern humans. However, this may result from differences in jaw size between both taxa. In a study in 2012, Lickaback et al.'s results show that Neanderthals have significantly larger anterior tooth roots than recent modern humans in terms of root length, mesial surface area, and volume, even after correction for different mandibular sizes. So basically, the differences of teeth between humans and Neanderthals are actually irrelevant to the larger jaws of Neanderthals. The shape analysis revealed that Neanderthals have a vertical symphysial profile with an evenly thick symphysis. Symphysis means a thicker connection between two bones by fibrocartilage. Whereas recent modern humans display an unevenly thick symphysis, comprising a pronounced incurvatio mandibularis, mandibular incisive canal in
2: English, and a bony chin. That goes back to the uniqueness of a human chin. I
0: would love to talk more about the uniqueness of the human chin and maybe our jaws compared to other animals, but I'm afraid that we're running out of time
1: for today. That's so sad. I wish we could talk more about human
2: attraction. Dr. Brown, thank you so much for coming today again. Thanks so much for having me on the show today to discuss my work with facial attractiveness, specifically of the human jaw. I'm glad more people get to hear about the positive sexual selection of non-recessive jaws and large jaws in men.
1: I hope you guys have a bit more knowledge on the major differences in teeth and jaws between humans and primates, as well as the major differences between us and our closest relatives, Neanderthals. And I'm glad we talked about how groups of genes
0: influence the type of teeth formed within mammals and have an effect on their mandibles. But anyways, I guess that is all for today. Thank you for listening.
1: Well, thank you guys again and see you next time at AM5AM5 with Stephanie and Amanda.